Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and I may or may not have fallen asleep last night while writing my snark. She did. I woke up this morning to check and see if it was there to prepare for recording this. Something was there. And there was just a whole shit ton of E's. <laughs> and they were capitalized, too. Capitalized. You must have hit the caps log. The only thing that would have made that funnier is if you had fallen asleep on the Z. Right. Zzz. Missed opportunity there. You got a target. You're falling asleep on I, the keyboard you next know time. What? Stupid asleep me. <laughs> Can't make a decent joke. <laughs> That's why I didn't finish in my sleep, apparently. Apparently. Mm. But let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we covered the second half of Chapter 1, Dudley Demented, and the somewhat corresponding film scenes. England has so many crop circles, they just started putting playgrounds on top of them for fun. The douchebags of assholes are the only ones that are hip to the cringy fashions of the mid-90s. Harry isn't the smartest, but at least he knows when not to get punched. And insanely hot temperatures followed by freezing Dementor attacks and then back to insane heat is really a recipe for going yumpy. During episode 118, Uppercut and Run, our Potter pondering was, because the book did not give this impression, do you think a Dementor could actually grab you by the throat and press you into a wall? Could a Dementor physically attack you? Hey Ellen, hey Katie, it's Jackson here. So, my Potter pondering for this week. It turns out that, yes, Dementors can physically grab a victim, because as I saw when I had a quick reread of Prisoner of Azkaban, when Harry was fighting off the Dementors at the lake, one grabbed him by the face and lifted his face in order to try to give him the kiss. This doesn't really answer whether Dementors can like grab a victim by the throat as they did in the movie version of Order of the Phoenix, but it does give a sort of answer. And that's my pondering. Catch you on the flip side. Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. Hmm, could a Dementor whoop my ass? Probably, but I don't think it'd be physically, no. The bigger question is, do they have to? Because they really don't. Just think about it. Like, they don't need to pick your ass up and choke you out. The movies just like to be extra. A, not only can they fly, but they can hoist teenagers up by their throats. Now that's suspenseful. That's dangerous. That's epic. Sure. But no. No, they can't fly. They're not strong enough. They don't even eat food. They just suck out people's souls. And apparently they don't even get to do that too often. So, well, you know what? Arguably, maybe because they were hovering around little whinging, maybe sucking up all the muggle happiness, maybe they did get enough energy to hoist some teenagers up by their throats. I don't know. But I logically believe it was just a movieism. Because the shit don't happen in the books. Hey guys, it's Michaela again. Finally, my voice is back to normal so I can actually do the Potter Pondering. So, this week's Potter Pondering was about whether Dementors can physically touch you. I think yes, because they technically are a creature. And they seem to have like a physical form. So, I guess they could physically touch you. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, Why does Mundungus Fletcher leave his post guarding Harry? He left to go buy some stolen cauldrons that fell off the back of a broom because it was a good business opportunity. Business opportunity. Mm -hmm, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. 
Congratulations goes to Mike Riley. Woohoo! This is his second week in a row, so yay, new streak. Well done. But Michaela and Dave were both right on his heels. So who's going to get it this week? We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the first half of Chapter 2, A Peck of Owls, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 2, A Peck of Owls, Part 1 Harry is completely confused by Mrs. Fig, who is ranting about Mundungus Fletcher leaving to see someone about a batch of cauldrons that fell off the back of a broom, and how she told him not to leave, and now, Dementors. She says they can't stand around and have to get Harry back, again declaring that she will kill Mundungus. Harry asks if she's a witch, and she explains that she's a squib, still very angry that Mundungus left. Harry now realizes that it was Mundungus he heard disapparate, and Mrs. Fig confirms this, mentioning how she stationed Mr. Tibbies under a car just in case, but Harry was already gone by the time she got to his house. She's worried about what Dumbledore is going to say and shrieks at Dudley to get his fat bottom off the ground. Harry is shocked that she knows Dumbledore, but Mrs. Fig waves this away with an of course she knows Dumbledore and insists that Harry help her get Dudley off the ground so they can get off the street. She yanks on his arm, but Dudley can't or won't move and remains on the ground, trembling and ashen-faced. Harry steps in and manages to heave Dudley onto his feet. He seems to be near fainting, so Harry pulls his arm around his shoulders and begins dragging him towards the road. Mrs. Fig leads the way, telling Harry to keep his wand out and to never mind the statute of secrecy now, since there will already be hell to pay. She continues to ramble as they walk along, and Harry is struggling to keep Dudley moving. He asks her why she never told him that she was a squib all those times he came round her house, and she explains that it was under Dumbledore's orders to keep an eye on him, but not say anything since he was too young. She worries about how she will tell Dumbledore about what happened, and Harry volunteers his owl. Mrs. Fig tells him that he doesn't understand. Dumbledore has to act as quickly as possible, because the Ministry will already know he did underage magic. Harry still doesn't understand, since he had to use magic to get rid of the Dementors, thinking they would be more worried about there being Dementors around Wisteria Walk. Mrs. Fig begins to explain that she wishes that were the case, and then trails off into yelling at Mundungus Fletcher again. This time, there's a loud crack, and the strong smell of alcohol and tobacco fills the air, as a squat, unshaven man appears in front of them. He asks what happened to staying undercover, and Mrs. Fig begins yelling at him as she whacks him with her string bag full of cat food, explaining that Dementors showed up while he was off buying stolen cauldrons. Mundungus tries to avoid her attacks, insisting that someone needs to go tell Dumbledore, and she continues swinging the bag of cat food at him, yelling with each blow that it better be him and to explain why he wasn't there to help. Mundungus said he's going and disappears with another loud crack. Mrs. Fig says she hopes Dumbledore murders him, and then again hurries Harry along. Harry asks about Dumbledore having him followed, and Mrs. Fig impatiently tells him that of course he has, since they weren't going to let him wander around alone after what happened in June. She questions his intelligence, but then they reach number four and she tells him to get inside and stay there, that someone will be in touch soon. Harry asks what she's going to do, and she explains that she's going to stay home and await more instructions. She reiterates that he needs to stay in the house and says goodnight despite Harry's protests. He scowls and adjusts Dudley on his shoulder before making his way towards their house. He sticks his wand back in his waistband and rings the bell, watching as Aunt Petunia approaches the door. She sees her son looking very green and wonders what's wrong. Harry manages to duck out of the way just as Dudley vomits all over the doormat. Petunia calls for her husband, and Harry's Uncle Vernon comes charging out of the living room and hurries to help his wife with their son. Vernon wants to know if Mrs. Polkis gave him something foreign for tea, until Petunia realizes he's covered in dirt, and Vernon then thinks he's been mugged. Petunia begins screaming to call the police as Harry tries to sneak upstairs unnoticed, but before he can make it too far, Vernon asks his son for names, and Dudley manages to find his voice to declare, HIM. 
Harry freezes on the steps and braces himself as his uncle bellows for him to go over there. Harry reluctantly follows the Dursleys into the kitchen, where Petunia gets Dudley in a chair and Vernon demands to know what he did to his son. Harry tells him that he didn't do anything, but as expected, they didn't believe him, and his aunt asks her son what he did to him, wondering if he used his thing. Dudley nods and Harry tries to explain that he didn't, but he's cut off by the arrival of a screech owl soaring through the kitchen window. It narrowly misses Vernon's head as it drops a large envelope at Harry's feet and flies off again. Vernon begins bellowing about owls and slamming the kitchen window shut, but Harry is already opening the letter to learn that performing the Patronus charm at 23 minutes past 9 in the presence of a muggle has resulted in his expulsion from Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, and ministry representatives will arrive shortly to destroy his wand. Since it isn't his first offense, he also has to attend a disciplinary hearing at 9 a.m. on August 12th. Harry reads the letter twice, feeling completely numb, only registering the fact that he was never going back to Hogwarts. He then processes that ministry officials will be arriving to destroy his wand and decides that he needs to run for it. He pulls out his wand and begins to leave the kitchen, but is stopped by his uncle, who insists that he isn't finished with him and tries to block the doorway. Harry tells him to get out of the way or he will jinx him, and Vernon snarls back that he can't use magic outside of the madhouse he calls a school. Harry informs him that the madhouse has chucked him out and he can do whatever he likes and begins to count to three. On two, a loud crack fills the kitchen, causing his aunt to scream and his uncle to duck. Harry looks around and sees that a barn owl has just collided with the closed kitchen window and crosses the room to open it, as Vernon again yells about owls. The owl sticks out its leg and Harry retrieves a letter from Mr. Weasley, letting him know that Dumbledore is at the ministry, sorting everything out, and he's not to leave his aunt and uncle's house, do any more magic, or surrender his wand. He feels a small surge of hope that Dumbledore might be able to fix things, but this is almost immediately strangled out by panic over how he's supposed to avoid surrendering his wand without doing magic. He's still considering running for it, but decides that Dumbledore has sorted out much worse before and he'd trust him. He informs his aunt and uncle that he changed his mind and is staying and sits down at the kitchen table facing his aunt and cousin. Vernon demands to know who the owls are from, and Harry calmly explains that the first one was from the Ministry of Magic, expelling him, and the second one was from his friend Ron's dad, who works at the Ministry. Vernon at first rants about there being a Ministry of Magic, but when Harry doesn't say anything in response, he asks why Harry was expelled. Harry explains that it's because he did magic, and Vernon immediately considers this an admission that he did something to Dudley. Harry again tries to explain that he didn't do anything to Dudley, but this time he's interrupted by his cousin, who insists that he did do something to him. Vernon and Petunia both hover over their son, asking what happened, and Dudley explains that he pointed his wand at him and everything went dark. He heard things inside his head, and despite Petunia asking what he heard, he seems incapable of saying and just shudders. Harry actually feels a little curious, wondering what the Dementors forced, spoiled, pampered, bullying Dudley to hear. In an unnaturally quiet voice, Vernon asks his son why he fell over, and Dudley explains that he tripped, and then felt horrible and really cold. Petunia feels his forehead as he stutters through trying to continue explaining what happened. Harry supplies the explanation for him, saying he felt as if he would never be happy again, and Dudley trembles and agrees. Vernon figures this means Harry did some kind of spell on Dudley to make him hear voices and believe he was doomed to misery. Harry loses his temper, explaining that it wasn't him, it was a couple of Dementors. Vernon wants to know what Dementors are, and Aunt Petunia speaks up, saying they guard the wizard prison, Azkaban. The movie scene starts out with Mrs. Fig walking down the street with Harry as he helps a very loopy Dudley get home after the Dementor attack. She is shocked there were Dementors in Little Whinging, and Harry just wants to know how Mrs. Fig knows. She cuts him off to explain that Dumbledore asked her to keep an eye on him, and he's surprised to learn that she knows Dumbledore, 
and she wonders if Harry really thought they'd let him wander around on his own after you-know-who killed the Diggory boy last year, saying they told her he was intelligent. Before Harry can respond, they reach the Dursley's house, and she tells him to get inside, that someone will be in touch soon, and not to leave the house, no matter what happens. She looks up at the sky as Harry half-drags Dudley to their house, and the camera cuts to inside the Dursley sitting room, where the weather channel is on, again mentioning how hot it is. Petunia is sitting on the couch wearing a very summery outfit and holding a small fan to try and keep cool. She hears a sound at the door and asks if that's Diddykins. Harry opens the door and helps Dudley into the room, prompting an alarmed Petunia to call for her husband to come quick. The camera cuts to Vernon, who is standing in front of an open refrigerator and eating something off of a spoon. He turns towards his wife as he pulls the spoon from his mouth and begins to walk towards them. The camera cuts to Dudley sitting on a chair, holding a bucket, and looking extremely ill. Petunia is perched on the arm of the chair next to him as Vernon leans over them, still holding his spoon. Petunia says they will have to take him to the hospital, but Vernon wants to know who did that to him. Dudley weakly points towards Harry, who is sitting on a chair in the kitchen, looking extremely forlorn. Vernon asks Harry if he's happy he's finally driven Dudley loopy, and Petunia admonishes him, telling him not to say that. The camera focuses on Dudley as Vernon insists that their son has gone yumpy, and then cuts back to Vernon as he walks towards Harry, shaking his spoon at him and telling him that he's reached his limit and won't take any more of his nonsense. Before anyone can say anything else, an owl flies in the open back door and drops a letter on the couch as it hits the ceiling. Vernon backs up towards his wife and son, and the camera focuses on the letter, showing that it is from the ministry, marked confidential. It starts to shake and floats up in the air, showing the owl fly off from the back of the couch before switching to the back side of the envelope, showing the wax seal becoming a mouth and the envelope flap shifting to appear to be eyes. The letter begins to read itself, telling Mr. Potter that the Ministry received intelligence that he performed a Patronus charm in front of a muggle at 6.23 that evening, as a clear violation for the decree for the reasonable restriction of underage sorcery, he is hereby expelled from Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. The letter concludes itself, hoping he is well, and falls back onto the couch. Uncle Vernon steps forward, still clutching the spoon, and triumphantly declares that it is justice. So, we do have corresponding film scenes this time. Mm-hmm. But I use that term very loosely. Oh, yeah. It at least starts out in the same place, which is honestly just a benefit of us being able to cut the chapters where we need to in order to make sense out of them. Yeah, because after that, the rest of the book chapter was Definitely used more like mm, guidelines than an actual source of material for information. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, they do start out in the same place. In both, Mrs. Fig has just happened upon Harry after the Dementor attack, and the movie scene begins with Mrs. Fig walking down the street with a struggling Harry as he walks his limping cross-eyed cousin home after being attacked by some Dementors who tried to slurp up their happiness like it was a big old bowl of pasta. There's an image for you. I paint a picture with words, Ellen. It's what I do. That you do. <laughs> and this picture is only slightly different at this point in the book because they haven't started walking just yet. Mm -hmm. Harry is just looking at Mrs. Fig like, what the fuck? <laughs> Partially because she knows what a wand is. Mm -hmm. And also because she's just going on and on about how she's going to kill Mundungus Fletcher. Right. And she's already described as the baddie cat-loving neighbor, so this has got to look crazy. Yeah, she looks batshit crazy right now. I think you mean catshit crazy. That too. <laughs> <laughs> but she's worried the Dementors are going to come back, so she tells Harry that we can't just stand around, get Dudley's fat ass off the ground. Mm -hmm. We gotta go. We gotta go, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta go. We gots to move, son. And Harry's just standing there like, you're a witch? Yeah. Like, no, I'm a squib, which Mundungus knows full well that there was absolutely nothing I could do to help against Dementors. But thanks for bringing it up, because, you know, not a sore subject or anything. I wonder how sore of a subject that is for squibs. I think it depends on how good a life they can make in the muggle world, probably. 
Because, like, for someone like Filch, who works around magic all day but still doesn't have any, that's got to suck. Oh, yeah. It's a little bit understandable why he's so bitter. But, I mean, Mrs. Fig, she's got her own shit going on. She's got all her cats and... She's got cats. If you can't have magic, have cats. That's where I'm at. Unless you're allergic, which I am, so I would die. But anyway... This makes Harry realize that that cracking sound he heard earlier was somebody disapparating, and it must have been this Mundungus Fletcher bloke that batty old Miss Fig keeps ranting about. Mm-hmm. Well, with a name like that. Did you see what happened with autocorrect in the no. patron chat? I said that happened after Mundungus disapparated, and my phone did not like the word Mundungus or disapparated, and it changed it to, <laughs> it happened after my fungus disappeared. <laughs> I don't have fungus. Mm. And not just because it disappeared. I never had fungus. (laughs) Fungus free is the way to be. Moving on. Yep, moving on. So Harry's realized that he heard Mundungus disapparate, and Mrs. Fig confirms this. And she says that she stationed her cat, Mr. Tibbies, under the car. (laughs) But Mrs. Fig confirms this and talks about how she had Mr. Tibbies, her cat, stationed under a car nearby to be an extra warning because something tells me she did not trust Mundungus Fletcher. And as we see, that's the right call. Right. For her to make, yeah. And the cat came to warn her, but by the time she could get to Harry's house, he was already gone. Mm-hmm. So the plot thickens. Yes. She also starts ranting about what Dumbledore is going to say when he finds out what happens. And she's <laughs> shrieking at Dudley to get off the ground. And Harry's just like, you know Dumbledore? <laughs> And Mrs. Fig's just like, of course I know Dumbledore. Everybody knows Dumbledore. Stop asking stupid questions. Get Dudley off the ground. We have to go. (laughs) We gotta go, bitch. We gotta go. (laughs) And here, the movie begins to deviate a bit. What? Shocking, I know. Because despite a somewhat similar, if not streamlined conversation, there's absolutely no mention of Mundungus Fletcher. None. None. There's no mention of him. There's no mention of her being a squib or any reference to the things that happened earlier in the story. Since, as we like to say here on Just Keep Rolling, that's not how it happened in the movie. That is not how it happened in the movie. (laughs) Similarly, though, she can't believe there were Dementors just chilling in the crosswalk. In the muggle world. Yeah, of course. And meanwhile, Harry just can't believe that she even knows what the fuck a Dementor is. Which is a similar sentiment to what's going on in the book. Yeah. And it's a logical train of thought, too. Like, hi, random neighbor who, like, babysat me sometimes and never happened to mention that they knew anything about magic. All of a sudden, you know what magic things are. What's going on? It makes sense. Did she babysit him in the movies? No. This is the first time we're even hearing about Mrs. Fig in the movies. I love it so much more that it's not her first mention. In the books. Yeah. They could have made reference to her before. Yeah. Oh, they could have. Sure. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, why do that? You know? <laughs> because they hate us. Apparently. But yeah, Harry can't believe she even knows what the fuck Dementor is. And she kind of rolls her eyes as if to say, keep up, kid. Like, come on. When she tells him that Dumbledore asked her to keep an eye on him, Harry is now even more shocked that she knows Dumbledore. And Mrs. Fig is just like, know him? That motherfucker owes me $20 from a card game last summer. Seriously, you thought he was just going to let you chill here by yourself after everything that happened like a month ago? Dumbass. Again, it is a similar sentiment to the book. Especially the way I put it. (laughs) Well, yes, you and your paraphrasing. That's what I do. I love how your paraphrasing is longer than how it actually happened, though. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... They get to the Dursleys before Harry can even think of a comeback to the dumbass comment, and Fig just tells him that he needs to stay in the house and wait for someone to contact him. Like, seriously, kid, don't fucking leave. I know it's tempting since you're all starved for news and metal happy right now, but seriously, just stay put. Just put your nuts on ice and chill. This definitely streamlines this part of the book chapter, as we actually get quite a bit more information in the book through the conversation they have as they're walking back to the Dursleys. We also actually meet Mundungus Fletcher here. Who? Exactly. Hmm. We don't even meet him till the seventh movie, right? No. Like, he's just not in this. No, not at all. There is no Mundungus Fletcher. Not even his name. Yates. 
Ew, David. Ew, David. So anyway, she's trying to get them out of there because Harry's still asking stupid questions. Mm -hmm. And actually yanks on Dudley's arm herself, but he either can't or just won't move. Yeah. And it might be a little bit of both. I can see that being the case for sure. He's just laying on the ground. He's trembling. He's completely ashen faced. And Harry's just like, God damn it. And he steps in (laughs) and actually manages to pull Dudley off the ground. So that is impressive. Boy's been working out. Yeah. (laughs) Since he can't seem to walk either, Harry actually puts his arm around his shoulders and just basically starts dragging him up the road. Mm -hmm. Which kind of what they do in the movie. Yeah, it's similar. Yeah. We got Miss Fig leading the way. So this is very similar to right where the movie started in. It all kind of Mm -hmm. lines up-ish. Yeah. She's telling Harry to keep his wand out. Fuck the statute of secrecy. That ship has sailed. Oh, yeah. That shit's ready to dock at another harbor already. Right. (laughs) If they come back, you got to be able to protect us because I'm a squib. I can't do shit. Yeah. And Harry's like holding his wand, but also struggling to keep Dudley moving. So he literally would just have to drop his cousin if he has to do anything. I don't think he'll feel any bit bad about Probably that. Probably not. <laughs> Bye, kid. Bye. <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. Despite the fact that they are finally moving, Harry feels the need to continue his questioning because that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Meddling. Meddling, meddling, meddling. And he's just like, how come you never told me you were a squib? After all those times that I was over at your house. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, well, I was under Dumbledore's order to keep an eye on you, but not say anything because you were too young. Wouldn't that have been so nice for him to know he had somebody in the area? Like, I feel like I could understand her not saying anything up until the point he found out about Hogwarts. Yeah. But after that. Yeah. After he was at Hogwarts, why wouldn't you tell him about that? Like, hey, by the way, I'm a squib. I know what's going on. If you ever need anything, come see me. Yeah. And I know she apologizes for giving him a rough time because she was afraid if he had too much fun over at her house, the Dursleys would stop letting him go over there. I mean, that's kind of fair, but Harry's a good actor. Right. Well, well, I mean, maybe tell him, hey, like, don't be too happy when you go home, kid. Honestly, he would understand the situation. I I would think so, too. But I do think it would have helped him a lot to know that he had that support right there. Yeah. Honestly, especially after everything that happened. Oh, my goodness. At the end of Goblet of Fire. Yeah. And she did reach out to him a lot. It made mention in the first part of this chapter that she would invite him around for tea. Yeah. So she was trying to be there for him, but he did not understand why this batty catty (laughs) lady was like, come over and have tea. And he's just like, no. (laughs) That's why you explain things. Right. Had he known, he'd have been all about that. But mentioning Dumbledore as she's explaining this all to him now has her worried about how she's going to let Dumbledore know about what happened because it's not like she can apparate. Yeah. And Harry's just like, you can use my owl. And he's like, I'm being helpful. Yes. Look, I can do a thing. And maybe this is why she never told him anything because Mrs. Fig is just looking at him like, you don't understand. (laughs) Dumbledore needs to know now. Yeah. Like, Dumbledore needs to know five minutes ago. We can't send him an owl. He's got to act yesterday. We don't have time for your schoolyard bullshit, man. Fuck your owl. We got to get this message to him now. Yeah, the ministry already knows that Harry did underage magic. So if Dumbledore wants to fix it, he's got to get a jump on it immediately. Mm-hmm. And Harry's just sitting there going like, well, what? why does it matter? I was attacked by Dementors. I literally had to do the magic. Like, isn't that the whole point? Yep. You would think. You would think. And that's basically what Mrs. Fig said. She was just like, well, I wish that were the case. (laughs) However. Boy, you got a target on your back. This is not looking good for you. No, son. This is an excuse the ministry has been wanting. But going over that now has just kind of led her back into her frustration at Mundungus Fletcher. (laughs) I mean, really, how do you trust a guy whose name includes the word dung? Even Fletcher doesn't sound... It doesn't sound good. No, he sounds dodgy. But she starts yelling at him again. Mm -hmm. And this time, there's yet another loud crack. And before they see anything, they can smell alcohol and tobacco. Ah, smell of Mundungus. Yep. 
<laughs> and a squat, unshaven man appears in front of them. And he's like, what happened to Undercover? <laughs> you messed this all up, Figgy. You messed this all up. Why does Harry know who you are? What is going on? And Mrs. Fig finally gets to yell at him in person. And not just in her cat crazy rants. That's got to feel so good for her. <laughs> but to cat crazy it up a little bit too, as she's yelling at him, she starts smacking him with her bag. <laughs> which Harry identifies by the sound of the bag hitting him that it's full of cat food cans. <laughs> that shit'll hurt, man. Oh, I know. She got him good. Smack, True. smack, smack. Screaming at him that while he was off buying stolen cauldrons, <laughs> Dementors showed up. And he's like dodging her attacks, desperately trying to avoid this. Bitch, get off me. And as smart enough, like this man is not stupid. He's no. just dodgy. Yeah. But he's smart enough to know that the thing that's going to get him out of this faster is to be like, someone's got to tell Dumbledore. <laughs> and she continues to smack him and punctuates each hit with, yes, and it better be you. And you better tell him exactly why you weren't here doing the job you were assigned. <laughs> so he disapparates again with yet another crack. Sure. And Mrs. Figg's just like, I hope Dumbledore murders him. <laughs> and then again, it's like, but we got to go. And just hurries Harry along. Way to keep him on task. Yeah. Slight distraction, still getting him home. Mm -hmm. At this point, Harry realizes that Dumbledore's been having him followed. And Mrs. Fig is just like, yeah, like we were going to let you wander around by yourself after what happened in June. Good Lord, boy. And they told me you were intelligent. <laughs> Dumbass. Basically, yeah. the sentiment is very similar. Mm -hmm. But by this point, they make it to number four, Privet Drive. And Mrs. Fig is just like, go inside, stay there. Someone will be in touch with you soon. Hey, ding. It's the same as the movie. Yay. <laughs> and Harry's just like, well, what are you going to do? Because he can't stop asking questions. And she's just like, I'm also going to go home and stay there and wait for more instructions. Probably the right call. We're doing the same thing. You just do it there. I'll do it here. Mm -hmm. Get inside. Don't fucking move. Stay there. Exactly. Nuts on ice. Chill. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And Harry's about to ask more questions. So she's like, good night. And just walks away. And Harry's just like, god damn it. He just shifts with Dudley on his shoulder and just starts dragging him up towards the house. Because what else can he do at this point? He just watched that woman beat the shit out of a man with cat food cans. So I wouldn't piss her off. That's for sure. You don't want those cans coming your direction. No. And like we said, the movie now lines back up with this. So yay. Woohoo. Mrs. Fig looks up at the sky as Harry struggles under the weight of Dudley on what feels like his death march into their house. Again, very similar situation. Yes. Almost identical in certain fashions. Mm-hmm. In circumstance. Yes. But inside, the television in the sitting room is tuned to the weather report, which is reinforcing the fact that it is in fact hot as balls. They really got that point across. They did. Handbag of assholes, Aunt Petunia, is seen splayed out on the couch with a small handheld fan trying to cool off and air out her nether regions a bit. She's manspreading. Oh, yeah. On this couch. Like, she's giving her flaps some air. I'm just saying. <laughs> but she hears the door and weakly asks if Diddykins is home. Again, similar, though slightly different from the book, since handbag of assholes isn't just splayed out on the couch. Mm-hmm. Harry can't get the door open, holding Dudley up the way he is, so he actually has to ring the doorbell. And she does get up and go to answer the door. When she sees Dudley looking very green, she immediately panics because it's Petunia. Whenever your child looks a different color than normal, you're going to get nervous. Yes. It's just a thing. And Harry manages to duck out of the way just as Dudley vomits all over the mat. Nope. Hard pass because, dude, it's hot as balls out there. Yeah, that's all I needed to say. <laughs> and you understand exactly where I'm going with that. that I made stench, a face because vomit in heat is bleh. That stench had to be something. So bad. Oh, no, sir. And that panic that Petunia was feeling at seeing her son green has exponentially increased. Yes. At the sight of vomit, understandably. Yes. 
And she yells for Uncle Vernon to come. And he comes charging out of the living room to find this scene. Yeah. Which he was stoked about, I bet. Oh, I'm sure. Super stoked. (laughs) And this is where things really start to take a turn for the different. Not necessarily the worse, but different. Different. Harry opens the door to the sitting room and drags the almost catatonic Dudley inside. Once Petunia sees Dudley with his arm around Harry's shoulders, but not holding him in a headlock, she realizes something is very wrong and calls for Uncle Vernon to come quick. Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because Petunia's got to be used to seeing Dudley's arm around Harry choking him. Yeah. But with that lack of choking. Yeah. Clearly something is not right here. Exactly. Harry doesn't seem to be in pain aside from carrying him. <laughs> so Back problems. Yeah. Not the same thing. <laughs> Also, aside from the fact that Petunia didn't open the door for them, this setup is pretty similar. Mm -hmm. She sees him sick. She yells for her husband. Yeah. We then see Vernon keeping cool in his favorite way, with his head in the fridge, snacking directly from the carton. Can't blame him. It's my favorite way to snack, too. I'm not going to lie. On a hot day? Hell yeah. He nonchalantly turns around and takes the spoon out of his mouth before making his way into the sitting room. And he kind of seems like the way Petunia says, Vernon, come quick. I would think he would put a little more rush on it, but he kind of turns around like, huh? All right, I guess I'll go. Let's be fair. It's handbag of assholes. She does that like three times a day, spying on the neighbors. That's true. You make a very good point. Okay. But anyway, Vernon walks into the room and Dudley is pale as a ghost and still quite cross-eyed as he sits in a chair holding a bucket on his lap. So implying that the vomit still happened or was May going possibly to. happen. Yeah, sure. His mother is sitting on the arm of the chair, looking quite concerned as Vernon hovers over them both, spoon still in hand, because priorities. Yeah. You know. Can't put it down. Right? Inconvenient. If he wants to go back for a quick nibble, I mean, he'll He's ready. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> Petunia nervously says that they'll have to take him to the hospital, but all Vernon wants to know is who did this to him. But let's be honest, he already knows. Oh, yeah. He does. He just needs the confirmation. He already thinks he knows. Well, yes. And in this case, he's right. Ish. Well, you know what I mean. Dudley weakly delivers said confirmation by pointing right at Harry, who is sitting across the room, just waiting for whatever is about to happen. He knows it's not going to be good, but he's going to face it like a man. But you know what? At least the Dursleys have the decency to look vaguely surprised before starting in on him. I'm super confused by your use of the word decency in the same sentence as Dursley. Well, I mean, it's not decency in the sense of, like, basic common human decency. It's just... Dursley decency? Dursley decency. So, like you said, we've deviated a little bit. Mm -hmm. Still some similarities. It is definitely starting to shift some. Yes. Into more of the different. In the book... Vernon wants to know if Mrs. Polkis gave him something foreign for tea because that's where they thought he was. Sure. And then Petunia notices he's covered in dirt, which makes sense because he spent some time on the ground. Mm-hmm. But this leads Vernon to think that he's been mugged. And Petunia's screaming about calling the police. And Harry's just like, oh, I'm going to go upstairs now. <laughs> I don't want to be here. I feel like he had to have been whistling. Just nonchalant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but he doesn't make it very far. It's like one foot on the step and Dudley manages to go him. (laughs) Not a point. He says him. Yeah. And Harry freezes, braces himself because he knows shit's about to go down. Yeah. And of course, Bag of Assholes is like, get over here. Which is sort of similar to the movie. Aside from the fact that book Harry tries to sneak upstairs... Well, movie Harry is just sitting dejectedly in the kitchen, waiting for his medicine. Yeah. Basically. Minor difference, but definitely similar in sentiment. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've said that so many times this episode. Similar in sentiment. Get used to that. So in the movie, Harry is already sitting in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And the Dursleys are in the living room. But at this point in the book, they all move to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And Harry just sort of reluctantly follows them in there. And Petunia sits Dudley down at the table. And Harry's just like standing there. Like, I really don't want to have to deal with this. But he knows he doesn't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. And Vernon's like, what did you do to my son? 
And Harry's like, I didn't do anything. But isn't remotely surprised when they're like, liar. Yeah. How do you think they'd react if he was like, actually, I saved his fucking life. Double liar. Why would his life need saving? Yeah. Which is kind of what happens. But very true. We'll talk about that more next week, actually, because mm-hmm. it doesn't really fit into this movie scene. Does it ever? But yeah, so they think he's lying and Petunia wants to know if he used his thing. So dirty. (laughs) So goddamn dirty. Katie is losing her mind these chapters. Dude, so dirty. But Dudley weakly nods that yes, Harry used his thing. (laughs) And Harry's just like, no, I didn't. But before he can go into any detail in defending himself, a screech owl soars through the open kitchen window because it's fucking hot outside. Yeah. And drops a large envelope at Harry's feet. It also narrowly misses hitting Vernon in the head as it flies by. That's always fun. Which I think I would have liked better than what the movie did. Yeah, the movie caught the gist of this despite doing it pretty... What's a word we haven't used yet? Differently. We've used that a lot. Ah, shit. Go with it. It's true. It's all I got. Vernon asks Harry if he's happy that he's finally driven Dudley loopy. And Petunia admonishes him, telling him not to say that. Harry just keeps quiet, thinking maybe now is not the time to poke the bear. Harry's not entirely stupid. No. Sometimes. (laughs) When he has a good enough comeback, he is. (laughs) Yeah. But then it's funny, so it's okay. But in this particular case, not so much. There's nothing funny he can say in this moment that wouldn't just probably lead to his murder. (laughs) The camera focuses on Dudley as Vernon insists that their son has gone yumpy. Which, strictly speaking, isn't really a word. I love the use of it in here, so I actually looked it up because I wanted to know the actual legit definition of it. And I found it in a dictionary as a synonym for yuppie, which that doesn't work out at all. Yeah, that's not what that is. No. And then on Urban Dictionary with the more logical meaning of another word for crazy, loony, loopy, nutty. (laughs) Yes. Somebody who has lost it upstairs, basically. Which is very accurately how I would describe Dudley in this moment. Exactly, yes. But from what I can tell, it's not a very well-known term in England, which actually leads me to believe that maybe it's something that they used to say back in Vernon's days at smeltings. Like, maybe it's a schoolyard thing. It could be something like how here in Cleveland... We call the little area of grass between the sidewalk and the road the tree lawn. Mm -hmm. But I grew up about four hours south of here, and that is not a term we have ever used in my entire life. Oh, yeah. So it's a regional term. Maybe it's something like that. Yeah. However, all that aside, it really is one of my favorite words. Yumpy. (laughs) Yumpy. It's just so fun to say. Ah, boys going yumpy. Yumpy. (laughs) But moving on. We then see Vernon advancing on Harry, shaking his ice cream spoon at him as if to threaten him with diabetes, while he tells Harry that he has had it up to here and he is not going to take this weird shit anymore. We will see this sentiment later in the book chapter, but we end up talking about it more next week than now. Yeah. However, before anything more can be said, they're interrupted by an owl flying into the living room, dropping a letter on the couch and promptly hitting the ceiling and then dropping like a goddamn rock. This is a half-ding moment, I think. Yeah, it's a dong. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) So the owl does arrive to drop off a letter, but no, it does not fly into the ceiling and crash to the ground. Yeah. There is an owl crash, but it's not really because of the owl's own incompetence completely. Yep. And the satchels of assholes get hella nervous since shit delivered by owl is usually unwanted in this house. We get a closer look at the envelope, which bears not only the Ministry of Magic logo, but also the word confidential. But the letter has zero idea as to what the word confidential means, apparently, since as the owl fucks off out the open door again, the letter starts to shake and grows a fucking face and reads itself out loud. Like, that's about as confidential as giving your bank details over the phone while in a coffee shop, for fuck's sake. (laughs) It's also not how it happened in the book, but we'll get to that. There's that too, but I'm just like, come on. But a very posh sounding female voice tells Mr. Potter 
that the ministry received intelligence that he straight up said, fuck the wizard rules, I'ma just make Patronuses all willy-nilly around muggles with not a care in the world, and as such, your ass is kicked right the fuck out of Hogwarts. The letter then hopes Harry is well, and drops back down on the couch as an incredibly smug bag of assholes steps up and hisses the word, justice through clenched teeth as he makes absolutely no attempt to hide his elation at Harry's bad news. So on point for his character. Yeah. There's that. And okay. So the message in the letter was the same. Mm-hmm. But like I said, other than that, that is not how it happened in the book. <laughs> not at all. Like, no. Mm-mm. Plus they missed quite a few. Everything. Yes. We are only about halfway through the chapter. There's actually quite a bit more to talk about from Mm -hmm. this part of the chapter before I'm willing to cut it off with a (laughs) similar-ish ending to the movie scene. Yes. But none of it is the same. Yeah. Like, none of it is the same at all. And it left so much out that next week we don't have movie scenes. Because why would we? Damn you, Yates. Ew, David. Ew, David. So anyway, the arrival of the owl to drop that letter off at Harry's feet, not on the couch, at Harry's feet, Mm -hmm. causes Vernon to start screaming about owls and he's slamming all of the kitchen windows shut (laughs) because he won't have owls. But at this point, Harry's already opening the letter. Harry is opening the letter. It's not turning into a face that reads itself. No. And destroys all bit of confidentiality that it possibly could have had. Right. It is Harry opening the letter and reading it silently to himself. Which, I mean, I get that change for the movie. So that way, because... Right, because who wants to read somebody reading a letter? Yeah. But at the same time, they could have done a voiceover. They could have. They could have done scanning the letter and then Mephelda Hopkirk's, you know... Voice. Hoping you are well, Mephelda Hopkirk. And I know that the Howler got such good reactions that they were probably trying to recreate something kind of like that. Yeah. Fun and magical, but still. But that's not what this is about. Yeah, I know. I mean, ugh. However, the message was effectively the same. Mm-hmm. I think the book version was a little more formal. Mm-hmm. Because it was specifically like, you performed a Patronus charm at 23 minutes past nine in the presence of a muggle, and this has resulted in your expulsion from Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, and ministry representatives will arrive shortly to destroy your wand. Like, almost like if it were a machine message, it was like a fill-in-the-blank with yeah, like a robotic yeah. voice. You have been expelled from Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Since this isn't your first offense, you also must attend a disciplinary hearing at 9 a.m. on August 12th. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, basically that. That's what they should have done. It should have been. Oh, that would have been funny. (laughs) But Harry reads through this letter multiple times. He just feels completely numb. And the only thing that's really processing for him is the fact that he is not going to go back to Hogwarts. I mean, that's the only thing I need to read to completely ruin my life. Yeah. It also starts to click for him that the ministry officials are going to come destroy his wand. So he's just like, I got to go. Yeah. Never mind the fact that Mrs. Fig told him not to go anywhere. His first thought is, I got to go. Well, I mean, when Fig said that, he didn't think there was going to be a letter saying someone's going to come destroy his wand. Like... Which is fair. That would scare the shit out of me. I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, you're expelled. It's another thing to be like, oh, and by the way, we're coming in to destroy your shit, too. Yeah. Uh-uh. I'm not saying I blame him. I'm just saying you were specifically told not to go anywhere. First thought, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> and he, of course, pulls out his wand. Sure. Gets ready to leave the kitchen, but bag of assholes is just like, where the fuck do you think you're going? And Harry's just like... I'm leaving. Get out of my way or I'll jinx you. Mm-hmm. And Vernon's just like, you can't jinx me. You're not allowed to use magic outside that madhouse you call a school. Which actually is a throwback to the Prisoner of Azkaban movie when he's coming down the stairs after he blows up Aunt Marge. And Vernon says, you're not allowed to use magic outside of school. And Harry goes, yeah, try, try me. me. Mm-hmm. So two fucking movies late, but <laughs> hey, we have this moment. There we go. <laughs> 
And Harry's just like, yeah, well, that madhouse just chucked me out so I can do whatever the fuck I want. Move. Mm -hmm. Tells him he'll count to three. As depressing as the whole idea is, that kind of really had to feel good to him. Oh my god, I would have loved to see this. Right? I feel like he should have just counted to two and jinxed him anyway. (laughs) Well, he counts to two and is interrupted by a crashing sound as a second owl flies into the window that Bag of Assholes had just closed. Mm -hmm. Way to go, Bag of Assholes. Of course, they don't know that that's what this was, so Petunia screams and Vernon ducks. And Harry's just like, poor owl. And he just goes and opens the window and (laughs) the owl like shakes itself off and hops back up and sticks his leg out for Harry, who gets a letter, another letter. And this one is from Mr. Weasley. Okay, Harry, Dumbledore's at the ministry. He's going to sort this shit out. Mm -hmm. Sit tight. Yeah, sit tight. Do not leave your aunt and uncle's house. Do not do any more magic and don't surrender your wand. And Harry's Mm -hmm. just like... Okay, maybe this will be fixed. But how the fuck am I supposed to not surrender my wand without doing any sort of magic? (laughs) So he had this brief moment of relief. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Again, it's kind of like Mrs. Vig already told him. It's too late to worry about the restriction now. You might as well just let him fucking fly. Yeah. Well, I think at this point, Arthur's like, let's not add more to the plate that they're already trying to pile up with shit against Harry. True. Very true. But I'm sorry, you're coming after my wand, my thingy. My thingy. (laughs) You're not walking out with all your limbs. But Harry is still considering making a run for it. But he knows that Dumbledore has actually sorted out way worse than this. And it's like, all right, I'm just going to trust. I'm just going to trust that he'll fix this for me. Let go and let Dumbledore. And he tells the bags of assholes that he changed his mind. He's going to stay. And he just sits down at the table and is just kind of like, all right, what do you want to know? Because he knows it's inevitable at this point. Yeah. And Vernon's just like, who are these owls from? Because he's really freaking the fuck out about these owls. Mm-hmm. And I just love this stark contrast here that Harry just calmly tells him the first one was from the Ministry of Magic expelling him. The second one was from his friend Ron's dad mm-hmm. who works at the Ministry. Mm-hmm. I just love the idea of Vernon's just completely freaking out and like, tell me what's happening. And Harry's just like, well, it was this and then it was this. <laughs> and Vernon is first briefly distracted by the idea of there being a ministry of magic. He's just like, you've got your people in government. <laughs> and Harry's just like, I have nothing to say to this and just ignores it. So yeah. he moves on and wants to know why Harry was expelled. And Harry's just like, well, I did magic. Hmm. which makes bag of assholes think he's saying he did magic on Dudley. Exactly. And Harry's just like, not on Dudley. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything to Dudley. Although I kind of want to now. I wanted to then, yeah. if I'm being honest. But Dudley's like, yeah, you did. <laughs> Actually, he still really is ill. So all he manages to get out is did. <laughs> did too. <laughs> did not. But this is also the second word that Dudley has said. He's managed him and did Mm -hmm. at this point. So assuming that Harry's just going to lie to them anyway, they turn to their son to try and get more information from him. Sure. And Dudley does manage to explain that Harry pointed his wand at him and then everything went dark and he started to hear things inside his head. And Petunia's just like, like what? Oh my God. Like my son has gone yumpy. And (laughs) despite Petunia wanting to know what he heard, Dudley just shudders and can't explain it. He can't Mm -hmm. say it. And this makes Harry feel curious, wondering what the Dementors actually made Dudley hear. Yeah. Rowling has said at some point that he basically saw himself as he was, as a spoiled little shitheel. Pampered bully. Yeah. But... I still kind of... I want to know specifics. Yeah. Like, what do you think, memory-wise, kept playing in his head? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, Harry literally heard his parents die. Yeah. I want to know what awful moments Dudley specifically heard. His memories have to include some really shitty acts. Yeah, I would be really interested to know what our keepers think about what he would have seen. Like, what would have his worst moments been? Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, so... I'm interested to know. Mm-hmm. Vernon actually manages to lower his voice from all of the yelling about owls to quietly, like unnaturally quietly, ask his son why he fell over. Dudley tells him that he tripped 
But then he felt horrible and really cold and basically couldn't get back up. So Petunia feels his forehead as he's trying to explain all of this mm-hmm. and can't really find the words for it. And so Harry's just like, you felt like you'd never be happy again. Mm-hmm. And Dudley's like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's how I felt. And Vernon decides that this must mean that Harry did some sort of spell on Dudley to make him hear voices and believe he was doomed to misery. Of course. He is scared. He is frustrated. He's Mm -hmm. overwhelmed. He has no idea what's going on. And on top of that, he's starting to get really angry because he keeps trying to say he didn't do anything and they keep accusing him of doing the thing. Yeah. Did you do the thing? I didn't do the thing. You did did the the thing. thing. (laughs) So he loses his temper and he was like, it wasn't me. I did not make Dudley feel those things. It was a couple of Dementors. And Vernon's like, what the fuck is a Dementor? And it's handbag of assholes mm-hmm. who speaks up and says they guard the wizard prison, Azkaban. And the bomb drops. And this is where I cut it off because mm-hmm. what happens after this isn't even remotely in the film. No. And this is a nice cutoff point. But too. I felt like, yeah, I felt like this was a good stop. Yeah. This is not at all how it happened in the movie, though. No, not, <laughs> not even a little bit. I mean, we don't get any kind of impression that Petunia knows anything. About anything. About anything. She knows how to manspread to keep her flaps cool. (laughs) Right? Gotta air out those flaps. Like, there is nothing in this scene Mm -hmm. that alludes to any of them knowing anything or wanting to know anything about the wizarding world. No, not at all. The movie just erased every bit of that. Mm -hmm. All of the movies did, really. Yeah, We knew that obviously Petunia knew her sister was a witch, married a wizard, had a little wizard kid. Cool. That's it. Yeah, it just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So this became the most logical cutoff for us to go into next week since it'll just be us discussing everything that the movie did not give us. Yes. But at least we had some of this in the movie. Mm -hmm. And it let us see Richard Griffiths. It did. Come back as Uncle Vernon. Bag of assholes. The original bag of assholes. The original. OG. OG BOA. I'm honestly extremely disappointed that we didn't get more from him. I mean, at least we got more than we got last movie. I really wanted to see him yelling about the owls. I agree. It was almost too minor. It was definitely too minor, but I almost think that that's what they were going for with the movies. They wanted to keep the Dursleys two-dimensional. Or one-dimensional, for that matter. They They were one-dimensional. Two-dimensional in the books. One-dimensional in the movie. Yeah, they didn't want to give them depth. And you know what? That's doing them wrong. It is. And it's a... Mm. I don't want to say it like this, but it's a waste of the actor's talents. You know what? I was literally thinking the same thing, so I don't think there's anything wrong with saying it like that. I don't want to make it seem as though the actors didn't play their parts well. Richard Griffiths? knocked it the fuck out of the park he just should have had more things to knock which i mean if you want to talk about people who were not given enough depth to their character we got to move on to fiona shaw who is an amazing actress she's incredible she really is and they let her man spread they let her man spread and whine a little and coddle diddykins and she did it so well and she did it beautifully she did it so beautifully but you know what there's so much more to do that she could have just done in her sleep and the second half of the chapter even focuses on her a little bit more so i think we can talk a little bit more about this next week next week yeah because fiona shaw is amazing and she did great in these little bits that she got to do here Mm -hmm. but i think she got bilked Oh, yeah. I think we got bilked because she got bilked. Definitely. The Dursleys were done dirty, but especially Fiona Shaw. Mm -hmm. We also get to talk a little bit more about Harry Melling because we wanted to focus on this. Catatonic Dudley was amazing. Yeah. And this was like on par with Rupert Grint's slug puking situation. Yes. There's definitely correlation. For all we know, they poisoned him to do this scene as well as he did it. Right. For all we know, he legitimately did vomit in that bucket. He legitimately looked yumpy. Indeed. It was funny that he was all like cross-eyed and everything, but it didn't take away from the scene at all. 
you weren't just staring at Dudley the entire time Harry and Mrs. Fig were talking. Right. You know, it didn't take away from the scene. It didn't take focus. It just really added to it. He did a really, really good job with that. Yeah, I think so, too. But speaking of Mrs. Fig, Mm -hmm. we had said last week that we were going to talk about her now. Yes. So we can bring up Catherine Hunter. She has an adorable voice. I'm sorry. I don't care what anybody says. That's all I need to know about her. Her voice was adorable as Mrs. Fig. I know we mentioned last week that I was not pleased with her entrance because I expected it to be more intense like it was in the book. Yeah. I wanted that intensity. For sure. Definitely. Again, it's about adding more depth to the character. Yeah. And she didn't get that, unfortunately. She didn't, but she does have an adorable voice. And she does really well, I think, in the trial scene Mm -hmm. in a little bit. So we can probably revisit her again. But I felt like the entire time she was walking and explaining things to Harry, she very much felt like Mrs. Fig. Oh, yeah. She did great with what she was given. They just did not give her the anger because they took Mundungus Fletcher out. Yeah. And I think that would have been fun to see. Mm -hmm. I just really wanted her anger. I really wanted her swinging that bag of cat food. I just think that scene could have been great. Yeah. Instead of giving us this comedy, they take it out and give us a bird flying into a ceiling. For no goddamn reason. So yeah, it's frustrating. And I do think that we can again revisit Catherine Hunter when she has her scene in the trial. Yes. The hearing. It's It's, literally a trial. It's a trial. And it's, you know what? It's a bullshit trial is what it is. But we'll talk about that when we get there too. We will. But this will bring us to our Potter pondering this week, which is, what do you think the Dementors made Dudley hear specifically? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. And don't forget, you can also stitch your response with us on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Look for that video on Thoughtful Thursday. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. Mm-hmm. And here we are at our Sorting Hat story. Yay! Which you may have noticed that we are revisiting some of our stories from our patrons. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we're doing this is because we are introducing Sorting Hat Saturdays, where we are going to be featuring our Sorting Hat story subject in a post on our Facebook and Instagram pages. So we wanted to revisit their stories, share a little post about them with a sneak peek, and hopefully entice more of you to share your stories with us. Mm-hmm. So this week we are revisiting Lisa Lotta Hertenbach. I really hope that I'm somewhat correct in saying it. I can't do the <laughs> gh sound very well without sounding like that. So I did the best that I could, Lisa Lotta. I'm very sorry if I butchered your name. She writes, I'm a Ravenclaw and a bit of a Hufflepuff. My wand is made of redwood with a unicorn hair core, 12 and a quarter, and quite bendy flexibility. My Patronus is a dapple gray mare, which I really like. I got into Harry Potter quite young. I vividly remember seeing Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone on videotape when I was about seven or eight. I was very impressed and also admittedly scared by the last scene that included Voldemort's face on Quirrell's head. After I had also seen and loved The Chamber of Secrets, I started reading the books around age 10, meaning I only had to wait for the last two books to arrive. I have read and reread them in my own language again and again, but in the past few years I've been reading and listening to them in English. I love the world building, the imperfect yet extremely interesting characters, and the well-written tension and excitement. I will never stop reading the books and watching the movies. Harry Potter always makes me feel better. Aww. She's so cute. I love her. Thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Lisa Lotta. Yeah, thank you. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. You can also share it with us through a comment on our Sorting Hat Saturday post on Facebook or Instagram. This week's trivia question is, How many owls delivered letters to the Dursleys' house the night Harry and Dudley were attacked by Dementors? 
The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag peck of owls will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the second half of Chapter 2, A Peck of Owls and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just just keep keep rolling. rolling.